Looking for some adrenaline-fueled excitement? The motorbike's just not cutting it for you? Well, Agenda might be just what you're looking for as we consider two bills which are currently making their way through Keys and Ledgeco. The sanctions bill aims to provide a modern and flexible framework to allow Manx authorities to implement UK sanctions, and the income tax bill clarifies a possible technical flaw in Manx tax law. Yes, two fascinating bills on this week's show. Three, if you include Bill Henderson. The Treasury Minister, Alex Allenson, steered the sanctions bill through a largely silent House of Keys this week. The bill aims to provide a modern and flexible legislative framework to allow the Manx authorities to implement UK sanctions in a timely manner, allowing us to meet international obligations in relation to preventing money laundering, terrorist financing and nuclear proliferation. The Minister explains why the bill has been introduced. What we're doing at the moment is looking you know, in a world post-Brexit, as the UK change all their regulations and legislation to be far more autonomous, how we can align with them in terms of sanctions, often which are brought in internationally through either the EU or normally from the United Nations, and how we can do that in a, in a more efficient way. Because at the moment, the, the situation is a bit clunky with the, with the um, legislation coming through. We're living in a very rapidly evolving world where sanctions have been needed to be brought in quite quickly, and we've seen that particularly particularly with Russia and Belarusia. Um, and so this will hopefully streamline that process while still retaining um, parliamentary scrutiny and allow officers working in the Treasury to concentrate more on the enforcement of sanctions rather than running around trying to get the regulations up to date. And, and in essence, uh, as you say, you're taking what is uh, a system which, it, which imposes sanctions and uh, various uh, other measures uh, via various means, there's, there's the uh, Terrorism Act, there's UK legislation, there's various other other things. So this this actually simplifies the process, would you say? That, that's the plan. It, it, it makes all the regulations and legislation be in one place so that people who it might affect on our island are, are, are aware of it and can get ready access to this and makes it very apparent to people what our international obligations are. Um, however, there are parts of the bill which may have come to us as a bit of a shock to certain members in terms of the rights of, for instance, the um, British Navy to come into our territorial waters and their powers there. Now, those powers do exist for, for the United Kingdom, but would be illegal. And so what we're looking at is working quite closely with the UK to retain our territorial independence, but also make sure that where we need to cooperate with them against things like um, terrorist financing, against um, sanctions busting, that we can do that in in the right way. Um, I think it's very important for the island. We, we heard earlier on in the questions that we've removed registration from 22 aircraft and 49 yachts um, over the last year in terms of our international obligations for sanctions uh, to dealing really with the war in, in the Ukraine. And so the sanctions bill are an extension of that to show that we, we're very committed to, to our international obligations, but try to retain that autonomy as well that Timwald and everyone on our island is aware of what, we, what we're doing. You can imagine a situation where a, uh, I don't know, a, a drug smuggler or an uh, international um, terrorist or whatever is on a yacht and um, heading out of uh, North, North Wales perhaps and uh, oh let's let's head over to the Isle of Man um, because we we know that the the, the Navy can't uh, follow us there um, but this legislation obviously deals with that 
However, if they were coming from, um, I don't know, Dunleary or or, uh, Dublin somewhere, um, and bearing in mind, you know, a lot of our territorial sea abuts Irish territorial sea, uh, the same provision wouldn't apply. So what, what consideration was given to that? Well, the, the, at the moment we have um, cooperation in terms of customs and excise. So you mentioned drug smuggling. Um, we have agreements with the, the, the UK Navy to deal with that in cooperation. They would inform us of, of their actions, um, but we actually allow them to operate in our, in our um, territorial waters for things like drug smuggling, for other um, aspects that, that are covered by that. This bill is related to sanctions and, and sanction busting. And so in terms of the the UK Navy, as I um, spelt out when we reached that clause, they have the right under UK law to, to go where they need to go, really, to, to fulfil their international obligations, whether that would be coming from Ireland, whether it would be coming from Scotland, Wales, wherever, um, they, they could intercept those those vessels. And we've seen that happening in the, in, in the past in terms of the Gulf and, and causing some major disagreements between different states. What this legislation does is mean that, that we can extend that ability for them to work in Manx waters with our consent and we'll be aware of that and we're drawing up a various memorandum of understanding with the UK government to allow for that seamless enforcement. We have the Barul, but that's mainly to do with fisheries rather than going out after some of these more complicated cases which may require um, use of force and so I think it's absolutely imperative that we work quite closely with the UK government in terms of um, ensuring that sanctions as well as um, you know, drug smuggling are, are actually um, dealt with for our, for the benefit for our, of our island community, but also the international community. And I suppose that, that maybe I didn't ask the question as clearly as I should have. Irish authorities chasing a sanctions buster couldn't come into t- our territorial sea, and yet a lot of our territorial sea abuts Irish territorial sea. Was there any consideration given? to similar arrangements with the Irish authorities? I mean, in terms of this bill, it's really extending UK legislation to us rather than extending any Southern Ireland legislation to us. But we do have really quite close connections with all the members of the common travel area in terms of how we deal with sanctions, with the movement of people and the movement of goods. And so should the the, um, situation arise whereby the Irish Navy, for instance, would want to work with our authorities, I'm sure we could accommodate that. In terms then of the uh, of the sanctions, I mean, it, this is primarily about international sanctions, but also UK sanctions. Um, now, the, the United Kingdom government, it is fair to say, is um, perhaps becoming more um, extreme in, in the way that it goes about its uh, affairs. Certainly, it's a it's a polarising government. You know, the, uh, it's pretty clear that uh, uh, the UK government is keen to to appeal to its voters as opposed to a, a, a kind of a national unity approach um, you know we've seen uh, protesters effectively being uh, arrested uh, for what used to be uh, legal protest um, are you concerned that by effectively having a policy which adopts UK uh, sanctions, we could end up um, following uh, the UK al- along a fairly dangerous and polarising uh, political route. 
Well, I, I, I've, I've always keen not to comment on, on the UK polit political scene at the moment and or criticise the UK government because they, they, they make democratic decisions that have to go through Parliament. I, I think you're, you're absolutely right that, that what this bill does is rather than give a rubber stamp to sanctions coming into to, to the Isle of Man, gives that ability, but it has to be then voted on by Timwald. There is that aff affirmative action as part of the bill. So sometimes people switch off a little bit when I stand up and read out a whole load of sanctions and, and recently we've had those about Sudan we've had those about Russia and Belarusia um, but they're still voted on by our parliament they're still approved and I think that 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 um, stopgap that ability to question is absolutely imperative for, for our parliament um, there may be times where we don't necessarily agree with sanctions being imposed by other jurisdictions and the UK blocking um, provisions that, that we're, we're adopting as well um, necessarily block some of the sanctions that were brought in by the United States government against Cuba and Iran, which certainly the UK government and the EU and many people felt were politically motivated rather than anything else. So I think that that scrutiny of our parliament to question some of these sanctions coming in and ask why is absolutely important. And, and the, according to the, the passage of this bill, that will be preserved. And, of course, there is a power within the, 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 the bill that effectively enables Treasury to impose financial penalties on individuals and uh, companies. Uh, but there is also an appeals process associated with that, isn't there? There, there is. A, a, at the moment, we have the ability to take people to court for, for, for um, breaching sanctions. And what this bill does is, in terms of financial sanctions, allow that leeway to bring in a financial penalty rather than take somebody to, to criminal court. I think that's important as sanctions become more and more complicated. Um, it also gives the, the, the leeway in, in terms of um, disapplying um, civil penalties as well. So if people make an honest mistake, they won't necessarily be taken to court over it. And I think that's one of the main things about consolidating everything under one act that hopefully we can make sure that people working on the island in the international sphere are more aware of those sanctions that are that are there and more aware of their obligations to abide by them. Were you surprised at the lack of uh, comment on, on this bill going through House of Keys? I mean... It, it, before we went through the clauses stage, I did circulate to members quite quite a detailed description of the bill, why it was being brought in. We had a public consultation about this and, um, and put that out to industry and to, and to members of the general public. There were some very interesting comments made there, and we did adjust the bill according to that. Um, I think a, a lot of people accept the need for sanctions, accept the need for them to be brought in really quite quickly, and appreciate that by simplifying the process under this bill, we can achieve that. Um, but certainly from a Treasury perspective, we're more than happy to take um, submissions from industry, from members of the public, as we develop this process further, as we bring through the regulations and secondary legislation to make sure we get it right for our island. It does, though, give Tinwald, uh, House of Keys members, obviously, are members of Tinwald, and indeed uh, Treasury, uh, quite significant power uh, to impose uh, sanctions upon uh, people. Um, and, um, well, certainly I was quite surprised that there was so little uh, comment. Uh, do you think members of the House of Keys um, are, I'm trying to think of the, the best way of putting this, uh, uh, are, are, 
are too eager to, to sort of uh, go along with the government line, the, 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 the line of, of the movers of bills, uh, or perhaps they've, they've had their private conversations and, and aren't willing to, uh, to, to, to record their, their views. No, no I, I, I don't. I mean, it, sometimes democracy can be slightly quiet, but we saw um, in, in, in this month's Timwald some quite heated debates about various bits of legislation that didn't get through and are now going to come through on a combined vote for the next Timwald. So I think people will, will, will pick their battles, what's important for them and their constituents and the Manx people, and, and act on that accordingly. This bill, as I said, was in some ways quite technical, um, but very important in terms of its implications. And, and when you say about Timwald bringing in sanctions, I think it would be very, very rare for us to unilaterally impose sanctions on anyone. A lot of this bill is about um, us actually adopting sanctions that have been agreed by the United Nations or by the European Union and therefore being brought in by the United Kingdom which still has a very close constitutional relationship with our people. So, so basically then in terms of this, this piece of legislation it simplifies uh, procedures for the Isle of Man government to retain its sort of international standing by uh, uh, following um, particularly uh, in international uh, sanctions. It consolidates all of our sanctioned legislation in one place, makes it easier for people who that might apply for to understand that. But also, I think, uh, it sends out our commitment to being part of an international community, which is very important when we look at um, proceeds of crime, the financing of terrorism, because we know that we've got another assessment for, by MoneyVal coming up in, in the next couple of years. So this is one part of, of showing not only our commitment to that international, um, the international regulations and standards, but also the moves that we're actively making to ensure that. That was Treasury Minister and mover of the sanctions bill, Alex Allenson. Legislative Council sat on a Monday a few weeks back. I spoke to Bill Henderson, MLC, shortly after the sitting. Talking to Bill Henderson about the Income Tax Bill 2023, but before we, we move on to that, um, Legislative Council was held, um, well, almost what, 24 hours, 23 hours early uh, this week. Yep, that's correct, Phil. That was at my behest because we normally sit on Tuesdays and this particular Tuesday unfortunately for myself I had a personal commitment I had to uh, absolutely attend but I wanted to keep the income tax bill going forward through its legislative transit it's very important and I, I wanted to make sure that it's on its way for royal assent sooner rather than later so that meant canvassing the opinion of the presiding officer, our clerk and legislative council members to see if it was possible to hold LegCo at a different time and date. And fortunately, uh, and luckily for myself and Treasury, uh, the institution was able to accommodate my request. So I expressed my gratitude at the meeting with regards to that and pleased that we're able to uh, progress this bill. And of course, the the bill itself is really important. Um, it's a it's a technical thing, isn't it? And uh, and it's it comes about as a result of a technicality, in as much as uh, COVID kind of interrupted with le uh, legislative timetables, and as a result, 
um, a, a piece of legislation that was required to allow for a temporary tax order to continue uh, the actual uh, uh, the, uh, the the act uh, missed out by uh, four days in terms of getting um, royal assent and therefore the order there was a bit of uncertainty as to whether the order was was uh, correct yeah that's absolutely right phil when the temporary taxation order is put to tinwald it becomes a piece of primary legislation at that moment but the safeguards put in place so that it must receive at least its second reading in a um, confirmation bill in the House of Keys within 12 months of that Tinwald approval. And secondly, the second safeguard is that it must have the Royal Assent within 24 months of the day at which it was approved by Tinwald. Two safeguards. Unfortunately, due to the COVID situation over the last couple of years, it has interrupted the smooth flow of gaining royal assent for our acts, and specifically this one, or a potentiality to uh, impact on this one. And um, just to be sure, and with an abundance of caution, it was deemed that really we should reenact or reconfirm what we already put through to ensure the applicability of this bill and, more importantly, the retrospectivity of this bill over the time period in question so everything runs smoothly and that there's no potential hiccups in the background as we go down where a loophole's discovered or some such problem. Uh, so we wanted to ensure that that was properly negated. And in terms of temporary tax orders, for, for anyone who's who's not aware, uh, what what's the what's the reason for introducing this? I mean, effectively, it's it's creating primary legislation, but by using a, a secondary legislative route, isn't it? Yeah, print, um, basically, yeah, that's correct. These are very, very handy instruments for certainly for the likes of Treasury to use, say from a budget point of view in February every year, where we've got various um, changes made to the income tax regulations and so on because of the budget. Then you need to act fairly swiftly to bring those changes in. So this is one legislative route that actually achieves the quickness or fleetness of foot, if you like, to get your legislative steps in place. And certainly from an international perspective, um, international standards and particularly financial standards can change rapidly. And it's especially useful in those circumstances where the Isle of Man has been and is under the microscope from um, organisations such as the OECD and the EU Code of Conduct Group and MoneyVal. Um, so that if there's recommendations made or we wish to make changes or raise our standards to meet new approved regimes then we can do it fairly rapidly and within the time scales that those international organizations which are made up of the major economic players around the globe uh, would expect from us so briefly for again if you could explain for those who, who aren't aware what what are the sort of timetable you know the the, the, the likes of that the, the times involved anyway in, in terms of getting an order through um, or getting 
uh, a, a full uh, bill through? Well, for a temporary taxation order, the minute the minister announces it in Tinwald and it gains Tinwald approval, from that vote, it's in force. But, as I say, there's two safety guards riding behind that that have to be met, otherwise it will fall ultimately. And that being that uh, a bill has to go, a confirmation bill has to go before the House of Keys and the Legislative Council within 12 months and certainly has to meet the second reading. And then there's the Royal Assent has to be met within 24 months of the day on which the TTO came in in Tinwald. So it can be introduced rapidly, but the, and then there's a process behind it. Normal legislation, however, can take some considerable time, especially through the consultative stages and so on, because it's got various stages. Um, a draft bill has to run through in the House of Keys, first reading, second reading, clauses, final third stage reading. Uh, and then it has to go to the Legislative Council for a revision, uh, a safety check, and there again it goes through three principal stages as well. So for a law to become law, if I can put it like that, it can take quite a long time, You're looking at several months to progress through the keys and then progress through Legislative Council, then it's got to go for Royal Assent, and then it's got to be read off Tinwald Hill at the uh, and the promulgation of Acts uh, service on Tinwald Day as well, ultimately. So um, the, the, the complicated procedure uh, is avoided and relatively urgent things can effectively then be announced. I mean, it, it effectively it'll take as long as it takes to draft the, the, the order and then get that on the, uh, onto Tinwald business and... Uh, literally uh, a five-minute debate if it's a non-contentious piece of legislation and uh, the order's passed. Yeah, brief overview, yeah, that's about it, Phil. Although if something urgent is required, the Attorney General's chambers will oblige with their drafting services and uh, they can then put all their resources to something that is very urgent, for for instance. And... uh, then obviously it goes through um, the temporary taxation order process. This is addressing international obligations, which we have to meet in order to tick box Moneyval's uh, assessment for the Isle of Man and future requirements. Moneyval are due back here to reassess our um, work that we've been doing as a consequence of their initial assessment a couple of years or so ago. And they'll come back and reevaluate it and see where we've got up to and have we reached the standards that are required. And that, of course, is an impact on the island's reputation as a um, excellent finance offshore financial jurisdiction that operates to the highest standards, which we've also committed to in the Isle of Man, Chief Minister's Isle of Man plan. So it's quite important that we get this right. That was mover of the income tax bill, Bill Henderson, MLC. Legislation is often overlooked when we consider Timwald members' political performance, but it is one of the most important functions they carry out. While Key's members appeared largely focused on managing their emails, the sanctions bill, 
which provides government and Tynwald very significant power to limit prescribed persons and companies' access to property and freedom, sailed through quays without debate. There are just 21 sittings for each branch each year at which legislation is considered, so is it unreasonable to expect members to take more interest in making the primary laws of our island? Let me know your thoughts on the programme by contacting philgorn at manxradio.com and get in touch if you have any ideas for future shows. Don't forget this programme is available as a podcast on Manx Radio's website. For now though, I'm Phil Gorn. Good Thanks for listening.